Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped. And today we've got another first. We just keep racking them up. What do you do? You, you invite somebody on who is not just a Hall of Famer, but is a world rugby Hall of Famer. We talk about pioneers. We talk about people that were there at the beginning. Well, that's what we're bringing to you. And then... They have this illustrious career, and do they stop? No. Do they They go and they help other people, and we are going to market, we are going to promote, we are going to sell, 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 because we need your help. And who better to do it than the one and the only Sue Dorrington? Hello. Good morning, Bruce. Lovely to see you, and so uh, fantastic to meet you. Yes, and you too. This is a huge honour for me. Now, Hall of Fame is one of those things that I suppose people like me who, who love the game and pay attention know what it is. What does it mean to be in the Hall of Fame and what was the reason for you being inducted into the Hall of Fame? Bruce, I'll give you a little bit of context first. Um, so, yeah, so four women from the Richmond Rugby Club sat down one day and said, we need a Women's Rugby World Cup. And we literally set out to organize the first ever Women's Rugby World Cup in 1991. Now you have to understand, we had zero support. We had no money, we had no governing body support, RFU, IRB, um, you name it, it was nothing. And, uh, and there was no one. And we 
would meet early mornings and uh, before work. And for me, before a fitness session, and we put together the first ever Women's Rugby World Cup that took place in Cardiff in April, 1991. Utterly incredible. From that, we all left at the end of the tournament. I played in that tournament. I'm, I was the England hooker at the time. I played in that tournament. The end of the tournament, we all left and we never spoke about it again. It was utterly incredible. I think we were just traumatized. <laughs> And, um, but there was never any debrief. It was never any, oh my word, what just happened? So we all went on to our lives because two of the women had babies. You know, Alice and I had jobs. We had to go back to work. We went back to work the next day. And um, so the story went very quiet. Uh, you know, the 94, the lovely Scottish team picked up a, a failing um, Netherlands tournament. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they were, those stories weren't told anywhere. And, in at the last Women's Rugby World Cup, they invited us out to New Zealand to be inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. And it was honestly one of the greatest honors of my life. I, I received this email from a chap by the name of John Eels one morning. And I, op I opened it and I thought, oh my as, God. Who as you do, just John As Eels. one does, World Rugby Hall of Fame. What is this? I had absolutely no clue. And I almost went delete until I started reading a few lines. So I read the lines and then I had to close it, take it in and I went back into it and I read it and I sobbed. So what, what they were doing, it was in um, World Rugby invited the four of us out to acknowledge the um, 91 World Cup, the, the, our contributions into creating the Women's Rugby World Cup. And it went from there. It was just honestly, Bruce, it was one of the best days of my life um, it, in a room for fantastic people just before the World Cup final between New Zealand and England. It was just theatre in the making and the, the atmosphere and the, it was just such an electric day and evening. So uh, I just what an honour. In, in the making, you said there. You you were in the making. You were the one who were you were writing the recipe. I mean, did you yeah. did the four of you sit there and go? This was us. We we did this. Well, it's it's really funny you ask that because people do ask us that question, and that we we had absolutely no idea of the legacy. What we wanted was to make sure that there was another World Cup. We had no clue that all these years later that that tournament would build and um, become what it is now. So we're very proud of it. We're extraordinarily proud of our of our achievements. Uh, and you just never deserve to be. <laughs> well, we never we you know, the story went quiet. We never, ever anticipated being told. And the, take me right back to the four of you sitting around. You know, you you've come from the States. I did. Pr pretty much, it seems to have got involved in in this game. I mean, different times. No, no internet, no, no Zoom, no social media Nothing. accounts to recruit people. So the four of you sit around and say, "We're we're going to make this World Cup." How on earth do you do that? How do we start? Like, where's page yeah. one? Because as you've said, it there's was, no manual. Well, there's no support. Yeah, yeah. We 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 wrote we wrote the manual. And um, it was, uh, first and foremost, I was surrounded by really smart women. And um, Debs Griffin, who, as you know, is going to be the next um, president of the 
RFU during the Women's Rugby World Cup year, which is such a, a coup. Love Monumental. that. Um, Alice Cooper. So Deb's, Deb's, Deb's actually um, chaired the committee. Alice Cooper um, was our press and PR. Mary Forsyth, who is another American, another Yank that we all played with. Um, she was finance and I was the commercial director. So we, first and foremost, we sat around the table and gave each other jobs um, because Deb's handpicked her team um, based on skill set. And she said to the Women's Rugby World, um, Women's Rugby uh, Committee at the time that she'll do the World Cup, but only on her terms and that she picks her committee. So she picked us. And um, we sat around and literally divvied up the responsibilities. And and like you say, Bruce, we, it was uh, it was staggering. We, we had telephone calls and faxes. Remember faxes? People don't even know about faxes. You know, we didn't have we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We had no mobile phones. We had no digital printing. Everything it was just labored. Everything was labored. But um, we had this army of volunteers behind us who then we you know energized and 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 brought to the table as well. So you know, we did it and we brought it to to Wales because it was just they were receptive to the idea. They they hosted our our kickoff and our and our and our um, uh, post event post tournament dinner. So they had you know they brought to the table a few things and so it was just yeah. And John Eels said, "I've never met so many agitated women <laughs> because we." <laughs> We we saw that's it a brave before. statement. That's a, it was brave a brave statement. statement. <laughs> brave statement. But you know, he meant it. He meant it in the kindest way, in that he, you know, we saw something before anybody else saw it. And and then it then it flies. So why why rugby? I mean, to come from the states to to London to end up at Richmond. I mean, there's a there's an autobiography there, isn't there? Oh, there is. There is. There is. Um, but. Uh, it, it, it's hilarious, actually, because I was very young at the time and I just I had started playing rugby in the States, in Minnesota, where I'm from, and I absolutely loved it. I just fell in love with the game. I had never seen it before. I, had, you know, I went I went to watch someone play and I said, what on earth is this? I'd never seen it before. And I didn't get it. But he said to me, well, a women's team starting. I joined that women's team and never looked back. And I, two years in, I thought to myself, I want to be better. Where can I get better? And I thought, oh, England. So I knew no one. I didn't have a passport. I had to apply for my passport. I'd never been abroad before. And I left the country with a one-way ticket. I had a hundred pounds in my pocket. I had no credit cards. I knew no one. And I came to the UK. I landed. I couldn't find, I couldn't find a women's team. So I started training with the London Cornish men because I found them in timeout and they they were advertising for rugby players. And I thought, oh, that's me. And I went along to training and um, oh, gosh, I mean, it was just in it was in Notting Hill inside because it was winter at the time. And and, you know, some of the players would give me an extra little knock because they didn't want me around. And some of the players would, you know, um, invite me for a drink post. And I have to say, Bruce, it was hilarious. And I can still to this day i can sing most cornish anthems because and and songs because they would go to the bars and sing they were fa fabulous singers but i'll tell you one thing i'll never touch any scrumpy that i mean that was <laughs> that was awful stuff awful stuff 
And so um, I was out running one day and I ran into the Imperial College women. They said, come and play with me. I played with them for a couple of games. Um, I was deemed the Yank Tank. Um, and at that time, Finchley women were setting up. So I then met someone who said, come over and play with us at Finchley. So we went and played at Finchley, Finchley for a couple of years. And then we moved to Richmond. We had Great Britain versus France at Richmond. And, and the, the club went, the team went, oh, we love this, come again. And we said, well, what do you think about a women's team? And we moved to Richmond and you know, I've never looked back. Um, I was in the backs in the in in the uh, in previous in my previous playing life, but I got to Richmond and they said, "Oh, Sue, the games passed you by." Threw me <laughs> threw me in the front row, Bruce, at hooker, and oh my word, I found my place in life. I found my tribe, that front row. So and and never looked back, and then had just the most glorious career with Richmond. I played with um, Great Britain. Uh, British Lionesses, England Legends, every representative side in the UK possible and had the most glorious career and was pretty much a lot of the shaping of me. And the people that you met, the the friendships that you built, those are the things that, if I asked you the number of games you played, could you recall the score, you would struggle to remember more than maybe mm. five or six, but the yeah. friendships you've made have lasted and to sit there next to some of your closest friends and all be inducted into the Hall of Fame, oh. I mean, that's priceless, isn't it? It was priceless because, of course, they were all Richmond women. And so we were, you know, we were holding the flag for Richmond and very proud, very proud of, of what we achieved. And some of those women that came to the World Cup, I mean, the, the countries that came, is that, is it, was it just a phone call and they said, yeah, don't worry, we'll see you there? I mean, how, how did that work? That they must have had to look after their own logistics and flights and all that kind of stuff. You didn't have the time or energy to do that for them. Well, importantly, we didn't have the money. So what we, what we said to the teams, we had 12 sides in the end. And what we said to the teams is, this is happening. You can come. We'd love you to come. We're inviting you to come and join us. But it's self-funding because we couldn't offer them a penny. We had nothing. Um, and and I remember I, we launched the tournament um, in London and in Cardiff. And I launched the, I was head lead or the, I was the lead in Cardiff and um, for the launch. And we were still waiting for France to come in. So we launched and we didn't even have we didn't even have 12 teams. We were just on a wing and a prayer, I have to say. And it was phone calls and faxes. Um, and I remember very foolishly um, bringing a very, very large contract into the sauna one night because I thought I would multi, I thought I would multitask and get, get read this fax whilst in the sauna at my gym. And lo and behold, the pages went blank. And um yeah, the heat destroyed it. But you know, it's just chaos. It was chaos. But it was it was organized chaos and it was smart chaos. And the teams um, you know, came from as far as New Zealand, Japan, and we had the most glorious tournament. And it was so well supported by the Welsh community. They just loved coming to the games. And I think it was a game changer for a lot of people watching the game for the first time to say, hmm, actually I think they can play. So, so here here's a phrase I read now. 
I only found this when I was looking at stuff to do with the first Women's World Cup. Yeah. I don't know if you were told this. Or I don't know actually where this came from, but I've never heard this before until I knew I was going to speak to you. Women's rugby is a participation sport, not a spectator sport. Yes, and funny enough, Bruce, it's interesting that you um, that you pull that comment out because it was I was told that because I was commercial director. And I was out looking for sponsors. And um, one of the sponsors came back to me to say, why on earth would we do this? What do you have to give us? Because of course, we were covered in the papers as a novelty at the time. It wasn't serious reporting. We had no radio, no television. Of course, none of the social media existed. So we, you know, we didn't have a lot of commercial benefits to give back. And then they sort of hammered us on, on, on um, audience. So, so what, you get 200 people in an international? And so when I was looking for money, it was really tough to give commercial benefits back. And one of the sponsors said to me, well, Sue, <laughs> your game is definitely, you know, a participation sport and not a spectator sport. Um, and that was, that was a phone call I'll never forget. And one that spurred you on, I would assume? Oh, I mean, <laughs> just lit the fire. As, as just lit the fire. I mean, you know, I was already, you know, smoking, and um, and just lit the fire, and 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 added to the agitation that th there was no way we were going to be determined, um, by any comment. You know, we had played women's rugby for so many years prior to this. We had already had all the comments, all the stick, all the negativity, all the, all of it. Nothing was new to us, but. That wasn't going to deter us. And as you look at the journey from then to now, you, you've you've told us about the end point of that final in New Zealand, and you've told mm. us about the beginning. Have there been points through that journey where you've got involved again, or you've hung your head, or you've punched the air in delight? What what moments in in that period of time have have been memorable for you? So I have to say, and this is my voice cracking, <laughs> I have to say one of the most, one of the proudest moments was England beat France at Twickenham, the standalone game. We were, in my day, I have to stop the crackling in my voice now. In my day, we were told, because I hung around the game afterwards, after I finished playing, um, and I did what I could and organized the sevens, organized the Six Nations and worked for the RFUW and et cetera. So I did tap dance on the edges. And um, when we were putting games in, in, in bigger stadiums, we were told that we would never, never have a standalone game at Twickenham. So to see France and England, oh, my heart sang. It was just, and we all went, all of us, we had a massive Pioneers reunion. We're all there. And the audience and the engagement, moms and daughters, um, so, you know, fathers and sons, it was so electric. That, Bruce, was one of my proudest moments. And I've got absolutely no question. Here's the back of my neck standing up because I wasn't there. It I was wanted to be there. Couldn't be there. I know incredible. people who were, and like you said, one of my mates who you know, Sean, yes. took, took his son to the yeah. game. Father and son went to watch yeah. standalone women's game yes. at Twickenham because... It was the right thing to do. It's a, it's an Absolutely. amazing thing, and the atmosphere yeah. just looked amazing. 
absolutely amazing. But it's, it's, not, it's not a spectator people. sport. It's not a spectator no, sport. No, it's not. <laughs> 58,000 people would say differently, I'd say, because we broke the record that, that was set in New Zealand, yeah. in Auckland. And um, so we broke that record, and it was 58,000 people that came to watch us. And um, when you look at the game now, and there's, you know, there are superstars now. There, yeah. there, are, there are kids running around pretending to be female rugby players. Which, yeah, I love it. you know, when, when I speak to current players, they'll often say their hero was Dan Carter or mm. Johnny Wilkinson because that was who they could see. They couldn't yeah. see you because yeah. you did, there wasn't the exposure. Now you've got kids running around pretending to be current athletes. Who do you look at and think, wow, they, they would have been my hero? Well, I think first and foremost, Bruce, the statement is if you, if, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I commend England and the RFU for really putting the England women um, and the Red Roses on the map because they have worked really hard over the years to put them at the forefront and it is paying off. And uh, I mean, I have so many girl crushes. They're so, they're, those women are so fantastic. And, um, and I have, well, Marley Packer, of course, is my favorite. Marley and I, we were out in New Zealand together or I was out in New Zealand, she was playing, and we had to do an interview together. And um, we had never met. And it was like just these meeting of the minds. And we had such fun. We just giggled throughout, throughout the interview. And then I said to Marley at the end, I said, oh gosh, Marley, I said, you know, you, you're all so fit because I was, I was one of those women who tried to stay fit as, or get as fit as I possibly can to play back then. And I said, you're also fit and you're, you know, you can go into the gym anytime you want and it's structured and you've got support and it just, can I just scrum against you? I want to see how strong you are. Can I just, can I just lift you? I just want to lift you, you know, see how solid you are because it was, you know, can I just touch your shoulders? And it was just, you know, I was just in awe of this physical being that these players have become because that you know they've got the infrastructure and the support support behind them to do it and so it was hilarious so we met this morning and for the first time and we had laughs and we interviewed and then i went on like this as i do and um i said marley let me just pick you up so i picked her up and i went oh and i said oh god marley i'm gonna put you down because i can't imagine calling the coach going mm, dropped marley she's not playing in the final so <laughs> injured marley packer your star so, it, you know, I'm just in awe of those women and um, and everything they give to the game. Uh, I, I love that so much because you've got that enthusiasm that I think people, when I do it, find it a bit creepy. When you do it, it'll probably be quite a nice thing because you're a Hall of Famer. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I do love that. I, I would no doubt Marley's now filed for a restraining order. Um, totally. My, <laughs> friend, my friends say I'm stalking her. And, and I said that to her the other day. And I said, after the England game, I said, Marley, I think my friends think I'm stalking you. And she said, no, Sue, I'm stalking you. Ah, <laughs> yes, that's good. I love that. Um, one of the stars of the show from the Olympic Sevens, and then she grew and grew and grew, and, and I love listening to her and watching her. Ruby Tui, is that, I mean, we Woman. need people like that, don't we? She is an incredible athlete, an incredible player. She's She is the full package, Bruce. She is what everyone aspires to be and and she is that full package and just watching her out in New Zealand it was such an honor and um and a, and a really nice person on top of it so gosh can't speak more highly of her 
Yeah, she seems to be doing great things. I just I love every little sound bite yeah. that she's able to give. Uh, so staying involved in the game after you know being a almost a committee person alongside mm-hmm. being a player, you've then given back a, a huge amount. Was there no point where you decided, hang on, I've done my shift, uh, I'm I'm out. It's time to move on to something else. What kept you? The love of the game, the history, and some amazing people like you, Bruce, like anyone who's played rugby. It's those incredible relationships and friendships that we have. And somehow I just kept dancing in there and it it kept us connected. I sit on a committee called the Red Roses and um, sort of... Well, we call ourselves the Wilted Roses, but um, we're the we're the we're the past players. There's a handful of us that just really create like an alumni, you know, just to make sure that everything is ticking over. Jill Burns, um, a wonderful woman, Carol Isher, we're just so many incredibly. So we've got about six women that we really keep things ticking over. So at no point did I say my job's done. It's it's never done. There's still more to do. There's still more bars to raise um and i'm quite happy to be there agitating <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love that now there's there's a group in scotland the, the scottish thistles then we discussed yes. this kind of off air who are being really proactive now part of that i think the almost a responsibility to tell the current players where they've come from yeah we're, we're all standing on the shoulders of the who went before us yeah. At, at what point do you tell those stories to the current cl- crop? I mean, that that England team you've got now, professional players posting videos in the gym, you know, they drink coffee till it comes out their ears, it seems, if you follow them on Instagram. At what point is it important to tell them, listen, this it, this is what it used to be like? Well, there's two, two standout moments that I can um, uh, talk to you about. And, and the first one was, they were training, the current team was training at Bisham Abbey. And myself, Jill, um, uh, Carol Isherwood and a few players went down. And Sue Day led the conversation. And we actually talked to the players. And we, and we, you know, we, it was like a little forum. And, and they were sitting there. And there we were. And we just talked to them about who we were. Um, you know, our experiences in playing for England. And our journey in that world because their experiences will be very, very different. Um, you know, they have such a, an incredible infrastructure that they, to play at this level that they need and they deserve. So we had, um, we had a really good chat and, and that was the first time we actually approached them and did a legacy history piece with them. And we were blown away. They actually came up afterwards because we stayed stayed around afterwards and, and chatted to them. And, and they, touched we, their and, shoulders and lifted yes, them up. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they came and they and they sort of came over to us and they were like asking us questions. And I just thought they were just going to go away, going, "Oh God, these middle aged old women are just get rid." And um, they were actually really engaging. Now I don't know if their comms people told them to be engaged, but they were they in my mind they were very genuine. And then the second piece was absolutely again one of these stand-up moments in my life and we were in new zealand and we were invited to um oh gosh i hope i hope i don't start crackling again but we were invited into the england camp and um because we uh the the, the red roses that were out in new zealand and there was there were great i mean there was a team out there had anybody you know asked us to play we'd have all had our boots on in a minute but i think there are about 30 of us out there and um 
following all from the beginning to the end. And we were invited into the England camp and we, they were all there sitting down and we were in the front and we sang a song and then we gave them white roses. Oh, they, <laughs> it was the most brilliant because they have a song. They have a theme song. We tweaked the words, Jill Burns tweaks the words, words and she played the guitar because she's just so clever like that. And, and, um, and we all learned it and we practiced and, um, and we we sang the song back to them and they were they loved it you know the phones were going and the clapping and the swaying and and um and then we gave them their white roses and it was just a standout moment again and so so they are really genuinely interested in us as people and you know the last time so prior to england france we we had the unveiling of our honors international honors board at twickenham again just you know just an incredible piece and some of the women remembered my name. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm very, very excited. They actually called me by my first name. And I was, I thought, oh, my word, you know, I'm so invisible. And here these incredible women were, were actually saying, Sue, what do you think? So it was, it was, so we had some, we, again, New Zealand was a, a stand-up moment when we were invited into camp. And the, those bits are priceless, aren't they? You can't. You, 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 like, you actually you can't buy that because Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You've you earned that from what you've done before, the story yeah. you've got to tell, and that's what being involved in the game has done for you. Uh, it's Bruce, I'm so lucky. I'm just so lucky to have found the game. It was the making of me. And here, so here's something, something I get to speak at rugby clubs and, and this is one of the things I sometimes touch on, that we all had our time in the game and mm-hmm. sometimes, not often, there's some rose-tinted specs, oh, you don't know how lucky you had it, but I don't know mm-hmm. many people who would substitute their time for another time. You you went through all that, you know, you were working at the same time as trying mm. to play to the highest level, stay fit, organize a World mm. Cup. The current team have got probably everything everyone's dreamed of. They've got time, they've got funding, they've got facility, they've got coaching, they've got the right kit eventually. Oh, yes. Uh, they've, they've got people watching. Those heavy got... big shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you're not jealous, are you? Not in the least. We talk about this, interesting, a lot. None of us would have given up that time we played. That is, that era was incredible. And we're, no, of course I'd love, I, you know, of course I'd love 
everything, the package that comes with the players um, now, but they deserve it and they need to play at the highest standards. So they deserve that infrastructure. And we've worked hard for that infrastructure, um, but never would I give up that time. Never. You know, we, we did, we were the, we were the pioneers. We yeah. sang in those bars. We played on those pitches. You know, it was, it was, it was an incredible period of time. The, there's two bits around the, the legacy, but for, as a male rugby player in a mm. rugby club, we were inundated with the old guys telling us how it used to be and what mm. we should have done and yeah. how we don't understand how we've all had that. And I've probably become that guy. I'm, I'm now doing that to other people. Um, so there, the, the men had that. And I think mm. there is a move to try and get to more like you're talking about those situations. But the other one is I've spoken to internationals like Emma Wassell, who's been involved with Scotland for 10 years. Mm. And even she says she finds herself telling the young players like Emma or you've no idea how lucky you are because I used to have to trade. I mean, the, the game has, you know, it was on an upwards curve and it just in the last probably five years, it's, it's gone so steep. The, the difference yes. in the women's and game. quickly. And, and it's where, where does it go? Look into your crystal ball. What, what do you see in five years time? I see more women playing at grassroots. I see more young girls playing at grassroots. Um, and I see England winning the World Cup in 2025. And, and, you'll, be, and you'll be there with bells on, I would imagine. Oh, you wouldn't keep me away, Bruce. Not in the UK. No, you wouldn't keep me away. Some of the Scottish players that I've spoken to, obviously going to New Zealand is is a dream. Mm. To, to do rugby yeah. in New Zealand for anyone is a dream. But to have a World Cup, it's not a home World Cup for Scotland, but it's, it, it's as good as. Mm. It will change the support. It will change the exposure. Mm. It will change yeah. who's able to be there physically. That's going yes. to be really important for the home nations and, and the growth that you're talking about. Absolutely. And I think um, if we go back to the 91 World Cup, one of the reasons... We had one of the reasons why we took it on as well is that we had heard that there was going to be a World Cup hosted, a World Tournament hosted in New Zealand. And we just sat around a table and said, there's no way these European sides can afford to go out there. There is no way. So in terms of expense and time, um, I'm, you know, I'm really pleased that the tournament is um, you know, in the UK this time. It'll, it'll, it'll just give greater access to not only Europe, um, but those home nation sides, they're, they're playing at home. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to go to those games. Well, so am I. Uh, yeah, it'll just and the is there a bit of looking over the fence at what the lionesses have done about what football has done? You know, the European Championships was everybody was watching, and the spectator experience mm. seemed joyful. There didn't seem to be an edge to it. It wasn't alcohol fueled. It just yeah. seemed like those crowds were having the best time watching women's sport. Is are, are the rugby fraternity looking over the fence at football, saying we we'll have some of that, please? I think they are, and I think um, England France was was that start because the lionesses just made the in country crap proud, and. Um, and so, and like you say, just huge crowds, great games. And it, you know, it really converted so many people to the women's games to, to watch it as a spectator sport. And, um, and I do think um, England and the RFU and, and the home nations are, are moving that way. 
Um, we want to emulate that. We want to emulate um, seeing it to be it. We want to emulate that high standard of play. We want to emulate the, the those incredible crowds with all that support. Yes, absolutely going the right way. The players are so engaging and so accessible. You know, mm. the, the, the male sport is they've become almost untouchable. They have to live in, in a bubble. I'm not entirely mm. sure I know why. I can imagine it must be tough to always be recognized, but you see the engagement over social media. You see after games, the the female players are, you know, almost in the crowd taking, you know, yeah. speaking to everyone, taking every selfie, every, that's so important to gain that legacy you're talking about. Yeah. And I think, Bruce, I do have to say, I think there is a female male divide there. You know, we are, women are great communicators. We're, you know, we want to be loved. We're in there, you know, we're in that crowd. Me, saying, me too, we, me too. Me too, me <laughs> too. Here we are. We want to be, you know, um, this is us and you can do this. Um, and, and, you know, they're on, they're, they're signing the autographs, they're signing the balls. So many young girls. And, you know, and they're role models, Bruce. They're, they've become such fantastic role models in the game. Yeah, and they're, we've still got a generation who have had to do things like you. They've had to study alongside or have a job alongside mm. or they're having to f do a bit of work on the side to fund. You see lots of them being at coaching courses because they need to top up what's going on. So they're still very accessible. And, and mm. I think that, I don't know how long that'll last, but I think yeah. as long as it does, it's a it's a great benefit. Um, when you think of a World Cup at home, has anybody given you a call and said, "Sue, how did you do it?" <laughs> Come and no, help. I think, no, funny, funny that. No, but they had. Can I we mean, use they, your fax you know, machine? <laughs> yeah, can we use your fax machine? And oh, by the way, we won't be taking any of the big contracts into the sauna. So. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's silly me. No, they've got, you know, it's professional, Bruce. World Rugby is all over this. They own it. They delivered it well. And it was just a joy. So uh, I'm, I'm, me, the three, four of us were, were husbands. So we, um, you know, we set that, we set the ball in motion. And, and for us, it was about handing over. It's going to be an incredible, um, not finish, but, almost a finish to the loop yeah i mean you i can't imagine what the emotion is going to be like and you probably can't and don't want to yet anyway but i don't want to peak too early no exactly as you sit at that final all these years later mm. it, it i mean i can't i just it's like i say i just can't yeah. imagine what that is going to be like yeah and um I mean, you know, one must stay humble about it because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we didn't know the legacy we were leaving. So what we what we were doing was doing what we thought was the right thing to do um, at the right time. Um, so the fact that it's in 2025 in the UK and one of our committee members is now the president of the Rugby Football Union. You know, there's so many incredible tick boxes and, um, you know, I can only say that, you know, I for, forever will be proud of what we did. And you'll never need to buy a ticket again. <laughs> I do! <laughs> I think you should call the RFU and tell them that. We all have to buy tickets. We all have to buy tickets.
uh, the the RFU need to fix that pretty soon. Yeah. Let's clip this bit and we'll send it to them. So, Sue, so we we got in touch because. Um, you are relentless in how you go about things and, and the love of this game. So the, the longest try, yes. um, tell me what it is, where did it come from? And then we'll get on to what we're going to do about it. Oh, Bruce, thank you so much for asking. The longest try. The longest try is kicking off at Twickenham on the um, 24th of July. We're covering approximately 1,700 miles. And we're going to score the try at Twickenham on the 12th of August. The event is a charity relay run. So every day for 19 days, I have six clubs running 15 miles each. Every club submits one person to run a mile. Every club runs 15 miles. I cover roughly 90 miles a day. We kick off at Twickenham. We head up past Leicester. We go up to Durham Way, into the borders, hoping to get in. Yay! We're hoping to get to um, Edinburgh. We'll go back down to Dumfries. We're going to skirt past the Lake District because it's way too hilly there. <laughs> um, we're going to head into Wales, out of Wales, West Country, touch into Cornwall, back in the South Coast, um, sort of Winchester Way and score the try on the um, on the 12th of August. And that is going to be at the Wales, England, England, Wales World Cup warm-up match. Now this entire event is in, is in support of people living with motor neuron disease. And this, this is an event that um, I actually, interestingly, I rolled this out in 1989 first. And I was working for a charity called Healthy Aged. And I was involved in rugby and I thought, what can I do? What can I do? Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. And so we, I rolled out the Heineken longest try. And um, and again, we ran the ball 1,721 miles, no maps, no Google, nothing, nothing, nothing. And we touched the ball down at, um, at Cardiff with the Pontypool front row running the ball in. So that was, and then, so how this has all come about is that I was, you know, sitting around a lockdown and, and of course the lovely Ed Slater was diagnosed. And then following that, Paul Rendell was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Now I worked for the MND association for six years. I've seen firsthand the devastation that this disease causes. Um, I was in research dinners and meetings with Dottie Weir when Dottie was pounding on tables saying, you know, why does this have to happen? Why don't we have a cure? What are we doing about it? And um, so Dottie very kindly and brilliantly led and championed finding a cure. But I also know that living with motor neuron disease has a day in day out challenge. And as the time progresses, all those challenges become more difficult and more expensive because there's all sorts of ventilators and adaptations to the house wheelchairs and so when ed and paul were diagnosed and i was i just put this all back together and i said i'm going to i'm going to launch the longest try and um in support of people living with motor neuron disease and um and what i am what i'm really looking for bruce is to unlock some of the scottish clubs 
because we're coming to Scotland on the 28th of July. We're coming up out of Durham. We're going to hit the borders, enter Hoyk. Um, we have the lovely clubs, um, uh, Melrose Mel and Gala. And Gala. Yeah. yeah, already signed up. And then we're going to try to get up to Edinburgh. Um, now, it's, we'll try to get up to Edinburgh on the 29th. But um, I know, I think Scotland play Italy that day. So I might we might have to have a slight break while people are watching the game. And then um, and we go Hoyt to Livingston on the 29th. And then on the 30th, we go Livingston to Dumfries. Now, Dumfries are already signed up as well. But what I really need, Bruce, is I really need 12 to 15 more clubs in Scotland to take that ball from the 28th out the other end, Dumfries, Penrith on the 31st. So, uh, you know, I can't even, I, I can't even imagine why you wouldn't want to take part. I think, I think the great thing about this event is that it's a local event. It get, and it's a local event that really reaches into the grassroots community rugby alongside premiership clubs. So we have premierships, premiership clubs involved as well. And um, it, it just is reaching deep into every um, sphere of rugby. And it's, it's every, every 15 miles matters because I, ha I can't have a broken link. We run the ball every day for 90 miles. We go to bed, we start all over the next day. And, um, and we have some great fun doing, doing so. And what I'm asking, is to be honest it's it's not a, a lot bruce compared to what we hope to achieve it's 10 pounds a runner it's 150 pounds a club we can all you know that's two pints these days three pints these days so just dig in don't drink so much <laughs> and and then we and then it's individual sponsorship and if the club wants to um sponsor as well then so be it we also have um, a silent auction and a live auction on our website and I just, I really, really, really need um, 12 to 15 Scottish clubs to, to join in the fun. We can't break this amazing relay run um, in support of motor neuron disease. It, it's going to happen. So we're we're going to we're going to make sure that we get this message out. Now you, you mentioned a couple of names there, obviously Ed Slater uh, and Paul Rendell, who unfortunately yes. just very recently has passed on. Um, but those names mean a lot to the rugby community and then there's this new MND community that yeah. Doddy and Stephen Darby and Rob Burrows and Ed yes. Slater have, Incredible have almost brought to the forefront. They've always mm -hmm. been there, but maybe a bit of a silent community. And now we're beginning to hear from them and the pictures are on social media every day. And Doddy Weir is a, you know, someone I love very oh, much. And, and we, we, we hold very dear up here. So that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul Rendell, um, mm. memories of, of Paul, the judge? Well, I think, I, to be honest, Bruce, what people have said, why are you doing this event now? Why now? Because I had to look at the timings of when I was going to deliver this event. And one of the main drivers was that I wanted to deliver it in Paul's lifetime. But sadly, that hasn't been the case. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we lost Paul on, on uh, I think it was Tuesday night. And um, I just, I just really wanted him to see this. And he knows, he knows how much he's loved. And I wanted to just make sure that he, you know, that we reinforce that throughout his lifetime. So it was really tough to, to get the news that he had passed away. And I just feel, you know, my condolences to his family and friends. It was a really, 
it was a really hard message to to hear so this it makes the longest try even more important bruce because what we want to do is raise money for people living with motor neuron disease and also have a great celebration of paul's life he was hilarious he was such a character and he is what rugby is all about he was rugby through and through and he was fun and a good player and a player of the highest standard and he was so loved by by his front row by his pack by his team and across the country and um and worldwide i mean john eels said to me um uh by email recently that you know i would love to come and you know join in i can't but paul rendell what an amazing man what an what a great player what a great character he is what he epitomized rugby and the fun we get out of it yeah and some of the stories there was the bit about him being a really good rugby player but then there was more about his character and yes how he behaved and all he's known by everybody as the judge everybody judge. knows yeah. him as the judge yeah. and, and who knows what happened because social media and camera phones weren't a thing so let's just leave that one in the dim and distant Thank, past <laughs> thankfully i when i was at the um england uh or uh, there was actually actually first there was a lunch um, in support of Paul that that Will Carling and the 91-92 team uh, held at at Twickenham uh, in support of Paul. And I cornered Dean Dean Richards and I said, give me your best story. And I, I can't really tell the whole story <laughs> um, because I, A, I don't have permission from, uh, from him to do so, but B, it was on a flight and there was a lot of alcohol and the judge was in full, full, full glory, you know, presiding over. And I think they had to land the plane early or something like that. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I think Dean Richards is the person to, to tell that story. He, he owns that story. But but yeah, yeah, he was an incredible character and in what rugby is all about. And Will Carlin's been involved in the promotion of this and, and getting involved in the longest try. You've got some big names back in this. It's obviously going to make a big deal the the money that's raised is going to make a big big difference to not just people living with it but with their families as well correct and will has very kindly agreed to run that first mile um from twickenham on the 24th of july so he's going to um, run that first mile and kick off the event and what we have it have done as well is that we're involving all of paul's clubs so we are involving um slough are taking part bracknell are taking part and WASP FC are taking part. And of course, we come through the West Country and Gloucester is taking part. And we hope to um, cross over with Ed Slater on that day as well. So um, so it's not, you know, it, it, it is really all encompassing and it, it is just bringing out the best of all of us in rugby. Yeah, it's it's going to bring the community together. I, I absolutely love it. So coming into Scotland on the 28th of July, hopefully hitting yeah. Edinburgh on the 29th of July, yeah. uh, we've already got Gala, Melrose and Dumfries yeah. lined up. Yes. And there, there will be more. We will make sure of it. I'll, I'll make them. it a personal crusade to Thank to make you. it happen. So, Sue, I'm intrigued, though. Where, where are you? You're not in Richmond. Where are we talking to you? <laughs> well, I'm in Richmond by sea. Um, so it's, it's, a uh, I, I had a very big birthday and I always planned on being away for three weeks, um, well before I launched the longest try. So it's all, and if you could see what is in front of me, which you can't, I have, I have three laptops going at once 
And all I do is I just move and rotate seats as to what, you know, what I'm doing. I mostly sit in front of the, this laptop, which is the longest try laptop. And um, I'm in I'm in Marbella in Spain. Of course you are. And what happens in Marbella stays, stays in Marbella. In Marbella. <laughs> well, the great thing is all, you know, some of my rugby girlfriends, you know, have been out. And then in about two hours, my Richmond pack are on their way. So, um, you know, it's so it's 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 we, the, the relationships and the friendships that we have in rugby, those packs, those front rows are some of my best friends and still are 35 years, 40 years later. And they're all coming out in about two hours. So all those people back home in Minnesota, yes. what do they think of, about what's going on? About what's going on in... in... Well, but yeah, I'm a hooker now. <laughs> like, come yeah. on, there must have been some eyebrows raised when you tell them you're still, you're playing what game? You've organised what? You're, you're in New yeah. Zealand doing what? Yeah. I mean, it's still not in the forefront of the consciousness in America, is it? Well, actually, the game is my surprise when I arrived is that the game was far more developed in the States than it was in the UK. I was cl playing club side. I was playing in, in, in um, leagues and tournaments in, in the US. So I was quite I was quite surprised when I came over in 83 that it wasn't as established. And so um, but I, you know, you know what rugby's like. It's brutal and your friends are brutal. And uh, I was known as the fat back. So it was. <laughs> Yay! Uh, <laughs> I was the fat back, and then when I get transferred here, I was the Yang Tang. So I think that that has a lot to say about. But there, again, there. You know, I played for the Twin City Amazons. Um, I made sure we had a. The lovely Martin Thomas wrote a book called Crossing the Line. Um, sorry, what am I saying? That's the movie that's being made. <laughs> oh wow! World in their hands. Sorry, Martin. World in Their Hands is Martin Thomas's book, and that is all about the making of the 91 World Cup. And that has had a really good reception. So I just made sure that um, the Twin City Amazons were reading it and uh, and knew what had happened because I just disappeared. I, you know, I played for two, two years and then disappeared. But we do have uh, an incredible um, movie being made about the uh, 91 World Cup as well called crossing the line when life's a pitch and um and that is um that will hopefully be released in in 2025 post the world cup um and that is just that's just the story of of the making of the 91 world cup and um and a, a genre sort of like eddie the eagle made it you know made it in dagenham bennett like beckham is that sort of quintessentially british film and um so yes it's been on the on the cards for about 10 years, but with the rise of women's rugby and the and the profile, um, people started finally paying attention and we needed the money to bring that uh, movie over the line. So, yeah. So, you know, if if that comes good, then I'll in, be inviting those those USA players over. It, it just there's so much happening and you appear there to have is. your finger in every single one of those pies <laughs> i don't know i'm not surprised you've got three laptops on the go so if people want to get involved in the longest try they can get in touch info at the longest try 2023.co.uk and you're on twitter and instagram yes. yeah. so go for it give us that one um, last rallying please, call please please thank you um so sue i i didn't I didn't prime you for this, but at the end of these podcasts, I tend to ask people one question. So for me, happiness is egg-shaped. For you, Sue Dorrington, happiness is? Uh, 
Oh, my word. Um, happiness is the incredible friends and life I've led. Love it. Sue, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor. You are an energy giver and I've <laughs> smiled the whole way through this. So thank you so, so much. And I look forward to meeting you very, very soon. Oh, love to, Bruce. And thank you for taking the time to listen. You are very welcome. Get on the longest drive, Bruce. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm all over it. Otherwise, I'm running 90 miles a day. <laughs> and they um, can't, they won't, they won't be able to call me the fat back or the end by, by the time I finish. So I need help. I'm all, I'm all over it. I'm all over it. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. You too. Absolutely love it. What a legend. Proper legend. Hall of Fame legend. The stories to tell. And you can just imagine this is going to be a success because I'm pretty convinced that what Sue Dorrington put her names to is going to happen. If you've enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. And hopefully in July and August, we're going to see you out pounding the streets, getting that ball over the line for the longest try. Please, please get involved and support what is an unbelievable cause. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happiness Is podcast, and my happiness is egg-shaped. Until the next time, look after yourself, and I'll see you all again very, very soon. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.